You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host this week. A few weeks ago, I traveled out to Las Vegas to attend the semi-annual convention called TwitchCon. You may have heard of the streaming service for gamers and podcasters alike called Twitch. Well, I had the opportunity to sit down with two of the platform's most popular streamers, Big Boss Bose and Chelsea Bites. In our very first segment, we speak with Erica Bose Bozeman. She's a Twitch streamer and former member of Smosh Games. She streams a wide variety of games under her Twitch channel, Big Boss Bose, and she's notably known for her true crime content, which you can also see on her Twitch channel as well as YouTube. In our second segment, we chat with Chelsea Bites. She is one of two women guild leaders and she is all about the tech on stream. Not only is she an official G2 esports streamer, she also hosts events for Amazon, Intel, and more. Her goal is to show the world that computer scientists don't look and act the way most people imagine. Chelsea Bites was also a member of Twitch's Women's Alliance. So, if you're into gaming, if you're into podcasting, or you're an independent content creator that wants to learn more about streaming on Twitch or YouTube respectively, well, this is the podcast for you. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring Twitch streamers Big Boss Bose and Chelsea Bites. Bose, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. You know, I, I've been seeing your work on YouTube and uh, I follow some of your true crime content. I saw your origin story about um, how you got with this, is it Smash? Smash. Smash. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Smash. I saw that origin story and I just thought it was fascinating. Then when you said that you were from Virginia, I was like, oh, Virginia girl. Yeah. I'm a weird little guy. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, you're actually hosting a panel uh, for true crime fanatics. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us what that's about? So it's kind of like morphed um, over the past couple of weeks. Like when we started, it was going to be like a panel, almost podcast style about true crime because people love true crime, right? It's interesting. But I always really think about the sensitivity of subjects. And I was like, do we really want to have a whole bunch of people on stage talking about how much they love true crime? Like, I mean, and, and it, you know, the thing is, 
sometimes things like that don't always get thought of right away. <laughs> but, you know, true crime is what I do. And so in kind of staying in that same vein, I developed a, a little bit of a different show. And it's actually an interactive live murder mystery show. Mm. Um, so I kind of wanted to take elements of true crime, a little bit of like Among Us, a little bit of like improv, um, because, you know, they're streamers and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. So I took four streamers and I built like a little situation for them to be in. And I wrote out all these clues and I wrote out all the scripts and I pretty much like wrote this whole show. We did the graphics, we did the video and then um, they're going to be on stage and I'm going to be like the investigator that gives clues to the audience and they have to um, try to figure out who did it. It's a big whodunit. So, you know, that's how I was able to do a little little true crime, a little fun, a little more lighthearted, which is something I'm always trying to be conscious of. Is this something that you just created for TwitchCon, or is this something that you've been doing for quite some time? Um, I just created it for TwitchCon, but when I finished it, because I put like over 30 hours of work into this format I had essentially never done before, but I'm a producer by nature. Like, that is, I don't consider myself a host first. I am a producer first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that I finished it, like, me and my team were looking at this, and we're like, yo, like, <laughs> what are we going to do with this? Like, do we take it out on the road? Because, like, I started touring last year and so maybe we'll like go to some cities with it like it'll be fun but that's so like down the line like maybe yeah. you know I mean, um, true crime is like all the rage so i feel like that would definitely yeah off. also like a uh, mur- murder mysteries are so fun but when i was working on this i like went to a couple of murder mystery dinners to basically investigate like how they're done and they're very theatrical and if you're not a theater person you're just not going to be into it so I'm trying to figure out how do we modernize it how do we bring the audience in how do we make it a little more internet based and that's like what I'm working on right now but um yeah we got it together for TwitchCon I'm really excited yeah I hope it goes well (laughs) I'm sure it will do just fine why do you think there is such a huge fascination with true crime Ooh, um, so there's a couple, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, one that I find, the, I'll tell you the one I think is the most fascinating, mm-hmm. but it's, I'll tell you this, it's not the most broad. This isn't the reason for all of them. Mm-hmm. Some people that uh, grew up in homes where they felt a little uneasy or they felt like a little out of control or maybe there was some type of emotional threat or just like something going on in their life they sometimes tend to really enjoy true crime or horror because it puts them in that almost same tense environment that is familiar to them, but they're in control of it this time because they can turn off the TV anytime they want and exit out of it. You know, and then there's also some people that are just drawn to the dark, the macabre. There's people that... um, Safety is a huge thing. And so if we learn uh, human beings are being killed by other human beings, well, I want to know how to survive that. So I'm going to watch how this happened. Right. So, so there's like three different ones for you, but it, it, it goes so much bigger than that, you know? Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating, just the psychology behind all of that. Oh, yeah. That's why some people find it comforting watching true crime because mm-hmm. that's how they grew up. Uneasy, feeling nervous, like uncomfortable. And, and it's, yeah. Yeah. I noticed some of the true crime like youtubers out there have like these very peaceful settings they'll have their cat in the background or they're just sipping a coffee or something like that something comforting and relaxing yeah as they're presenting this very tragic horrible story. oh yeah not my vibe though i'm like i'm like <laughs> he fucking did it <laughs> put him in the 
the jail. Put him under the jail. We in my channel, we always uh, when somebody did something really, really bad, like like you know, we like we don't just talk about murder cases. There's also like predators, people that have done like horrible things to women. And our favorite thing to say all the time is gin pop justice. Do you know what that is, Jamie? No, I haven't heard that. Gin pop justice is when they put like a predator in general population, and the prisoners beat the hell out of oh, them every day. <laughs> that's that's what it is because like you know maybe we only get a six year sentence for somebody like hurting a little kid or something yeah. but there's dudes in jail that were like either they have kids of their own that they can't see or maybe they were hurt when they were a child and then when they see some predator coming they're like oh yeah we don't, going in on <laughs> yeah the they're like put his head between the bars and i'm like i didn't see anything you know like it's yeah the wardens are like just walking past like okay. yeah so i'm definitely not a cozy cat person i'm like yeah. a, i love justice i yeah. love it yeah no you, you're doing some good work out there <laughs> How have you found spaces, um, or have you found, I should ask, have you found spaces um, becoming safer for women of color since you've been on this platform, and particularly black women, or do you think there's still a lot more work to do? Oh, there's, there's a lot of work to be done, and it, um, it, it, like, it just sucks to say, um, because I, like, oh my god, it almost makes me really sad because um it took so 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 long for me to um climb to where I am and I'm mm. still you know I'm not <laughs> I don't know it took a lot it took a lot of work and the thing is is I I have something in me I have like this weird drive to really really prove myself it probably comes from like you know my childhood or something like that and so I've gone to great lengths to learn a lot of other um, skills that go into content creation, like marketing. I've been a marketer for 10 years. Mm. I said I'm a producer by nature, and those are my top skills, I think. And then, you know, I come in as talent as well. And um, I had to learn all of that and do all of those things to, like, get to where I am. Mm -hmm. And we're not... I think... We shouldn't have to do that much. Right. We shouldn't have to do that much. I, I, it, um, it really bums me out because, like, I... Do you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, because for some people that, you know, have less melanin in their skin and are of a certain gender, they just get to be very mediocre. Oh, my God! Dude, and it happens so fast. And I'm, and like, but you know what? One thing is, I, you know, I, I've heard this a long time ago. You're like, you know, if you're running a race and you're, like, going straight ahead, but if you even look through your side eye to what's going on in the left, to the right lanes behind you it's gonna slow you down yeah. like it's just gonna slow you down yes. so I for the past couple like I would say the past eight years I've just kept running in my lane running straight ahead and sometimes I get tired and sometimes I got to put in a whole lot more work than I should have to yeah and I'm happy that it's gotten me to the same to this spot but not everyone is gonna like you know go through eight or nine years of learning digital marketing to know how to properly title their videos, properly do their thumbnails, or have, you know, because when I was at Smosh, I did titles and thumbnails for a channel with millions of subscribers. Mm. That was a massive advantage to me when I started working on my YouTube channel. And it's crazy that I was afforded that opportunity. And then it's also, I'm lucky that I got that experience. Um, A lot of people don't have that, you know, and they don't they don't even know to like work on their titles and thumbnails and then like don't even get me started on like you know having to know optics of things or producing content in such a way that has a rise and fall and storyline and like there's just so much that you have to do and I don't know I don't know if I answered your question you completely answered my question and you touched on something that was really important 
staying in your own lane and not looking in either direction to see what other people are doing. Because I feel like so many people get caught up in that. Yes, because because you know what? It's like, oh my God, Jamie, it's like, it's like, I, it's like I've been running this race, and I get tired sometimes, and then I have to use all of my resources that I was very lucky to learn. I have to ramp all of these up and, like, get this big boost, and then if I were to look over in the other lane, I would see other people that were, like, holding hands with, like, two other people, yeah. and those two people that were holding their hands were running, too, and they're just gliding across at a faster speed than me. So if I had noticed that other people were getting, like, like a lot of help mm-hmm. that I wasn't as far as production or marketing or anything... Uh, the emotion of like whether it be like jealousy, bitterness, resentment yeah. is they're some of the most energy sucking emotions um, that you can endure and I really mean endure um, and so I horse blinder everything yeah no that's smart that was a completely <laughs> smart approach what was the craziest <laughs> this is a fun question what's the craziest true, best- true crime story that you've ever reported or researched <sighs> My, my, okay, I, I know my answer to this, but, um, hold on, I, I've, I've actually, sorry, this part off the record, it's, I might even have to tell you this one later, but it's, it's about this lady, and she, I later became friends with her, because she was exonerated, because she was the victim in this situation, even though she was a murderer, but in my conversations with her, um, she really wants to move past the story, so I don't want to bring it up, but that is my immediate answer, um, yeah, let me think, she's, she's awesome, um, ooh, Hold on, now they're just all like coming in like at once. Okay, dude, I would tell you the craziest one that I ever heard and uh is this story about this woman named Kai Liao who was having an affair with a man named Brian Mock. And Brian was going from Australia to China, back and forth, having an affair with this lady named Kai. And he told her, hey, I'm going to divorce my wife and marry you. And Kai's like, all right, dope. Like, she's finally going to get married. And she's going to get Australian citizenship because her daughter lives there. Mm -hmm. And so she starts telling everybody, like, Brian's about to marry me. Here's the ring, da-da-da-da. Last minute, Brian rekindles things with his wife and decides, you know what, I'm not going to marry you. And he ghosts her. So this is where it's, like, not good, okay? Right. Right? Kai shows up at his house with the fury of a thousand sons and claims she wants to talk to him. She first poisons him and then ties him up and then killed his grandson with garden shears. What? What did your grandson do? Nothing. A 10-year-old boy. Oh, my God. And then he waited for his wife to come home, and she murdered his wife, too. And then she literally told this man, like, and now I will let you live to see what you've done. Is insane, dude. It's it is it is the it is that is like the craziest story that I've ever. You don't have to yeah. put that in. <laughs> no, no, that you know because it's it's a it is like and here's the thing. I mostly cover female killers mm-hmm. because um, a lot of times when I cover male killers like straight up, it's almost always somehow related to like them being a predator or sex yeah. or something. It always fucking is. But uh, sorry, excuse my language. That's okay. Uh, but. Whenever I dive into the psychology of female murderers, there are complex emotions, complex reasons. A lot of, like, there can be manipulation of the police, these interrogations, these um, really strong emotions that could have been worked through years earlier. I find a lot of, like, complex PTSD and rage issues. And I specifically talk about these stories because it might be hard to hear, but I want people to look at themselves and look at the people around them and kind of know 
like the warning signs in themselves because that's mm. it's shocking to think and I don't want to like sit here and like coddle my audience but you know if a quarter of a million people are watching a video that I do mm-hmm. there is a good chance that one percent of them is somehow like an abuser or an emotional manipulator or yeah. they have anger issues they have alcoholism and they don't know but when I tell these stories and I really break it down why some of these things happen mm-hmm. um, I get people in my comments all the time that say Oh, shit, I do that sometimes. <laughs> and that means a lot to me because that's why I, I talk about it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's important to open up those, you know, issues to the audience. And I, I love the fact that you say if there's that small percentage of people that watch that that could possibly either maybe even educate them or they could learn a lot from what you're, <clears throat> what you're reporting. Um, I understand that back in the day, because I saw that video, that origin story, the Smosh one, um, that you played League of Legends. (laughs) Yes! I am a League of Legends addict. Stop. I'm new to League, okay? Really? I'm new. Okay, what do you play? I'm a a 12-year vet girl. See, I want to talk to the expert. (laughs) My first question is, who is your favorite champ? Ooh, uh, I used to play a lot of Udyr um, because I used to watch a lot of, like, Trick 2G, and he played Udyr. um, Mm -hmm. And then that was, like, my jungler, a little bit of Shivana. Mid lane, I'm a huge Syndra player. Okay, um, mid lane is yeah. my preference. Okay, <laughs> wait, what do you what do you play mid? I'm Syndra, a little Cassiopeia. I used to do a lot of Oriana, but she's so bad now because everyone has a dash. I can't play her. She's hard to play. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I, me. I have, but it's probably because now there's so many champions that outscale her. They have better mobility, which mm-hmm. she doesn't really. Now, now, yeah, I'm a black girl nerd right now. <laughs> she she doesn't have a lot of mobility. This yeah. is important, everyone. <laughs> You can't just, you know, build speed items on her. You just got to, like, position very well with her, and sometimes your team doesn't protect you. So right. it's not you. It's the meta. It's the, yeah, yeah. It's the meta. Nico is who I play. I love Nico. She's amazing. No. I'm able to cheese so hard with her and camouflage into minions and catch people off guard. Oh, my gosh. Do you play Zoe at all by chance? I don't know how to play Zoe. Okay, I, I don't, don't understand her me either. ultimate. I don't know how to play her. I don't know how to play against her, and... They keep killing me. And so Same. I and I don't understand how. I'm like, okay, I'm full health and then suddenly the screen is gray. <laughs> like, I'm like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. Do you it, prefer summoner's rift or arm? Um, I'm more I so, okay, so I was always a Summoner's Rift person because you're not playing League unless you're playing Summoner's Rift. Mm. But I'm not as competitive as I used to be. Okay. I've gone to lots of therapy, and now I just like <laughs> to play a little ARAM here and there. Okay. But, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I got Zoe and ARAM, and I was like, now I will learn all of your secrets. <laughs> and I still don't know how to play her. Yeah, I, I don't either, so we're, we're both the same on that one. Um, my last question is, what advice would you give to women that are interested in gaming and perhaps wanting to start their own true crime content on Twitch? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I think one thing that is really, really, really important is in any business or brand or like entertainment that you do, you should have a mission. And every single action that you take through your now company, because that's what you are, um, it should go through the lens of your mission. Um, And very often, now this is the brutal part, and I'm just going to be completely honest. Very often... Um, you ask a, screen, a streamer, sorry, very often you ask a streamer or a YouTuber, um, why do you do what you do? And this is their moment to say their mission statement. And 80% of people will say, 
I just want to make people happy or I just want to make people laugh. And I'm going to tell you right now, that is a very weak business statement. You need to have a little more oomph in like there. A tagline. You, like, I mean, and it's, not, it's not your tagline that you're saying out loud for marketing. It's your thought process of why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. And when you have a strong one and every action that you do goes through the lens of that like business statement, mm-hmm. um, you will have a strong business because, and, and sorry, you said like stream and I'm talking about a business. business. I, no, I yeah. run uh, yeah. a lot of streamers that that's their gateway to creating their own business yeah. is, is getting on. Streams. Yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, everyone have fun with it, but if you're doing true crime content, why are you doing it? Mm. Right. Um, if you're doing gaming content, why are you doing it? And if you have a stronger, why than 80% of people on the platform, you're going to go a lot further. Yeah. Well, awesome. That was, it was such a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to me ramble for the whole time. No, you, you were giving gems of wisdom oh. on just like business and like talking I'd be about thinking too the much. psyche of true crime and then thinking <laughs> out over legends. So no, this was a fun discussion. Yes. I appreciate you talking to us. And League of Legends, like playing Udir in my parents' house is what got me to having a little corporation and 30 employees. That's so. amazing. Yeah. I love... I, I love League. I'm going to be back playing some A-Rams when I get home. You I know? mean, that's what I was doing downstairs. I was. Are you serious? <laughs> Are you serious? That's so funny. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. Just a quick production note. My recorder gave out in the middle of my interview with Chelsea Bites. So at the very tail end of this interview, the audio transitions from my Zoom recorder to my smartphone, which the quality is not that great. So it'll be very low at the end. And I apologize for the jarring cut, but that's what happens sometimes when you're traveling and you're recording and you don't check your batteries. So apologies in advance for the audio issues at the tail end of Chelsea's interview. Chelsea Bites, thank you so much for coming on the Black Girl Nerds podcast to speak with us during TwitchCon. Uh, we obviously love your work and everything that you represent. Let, let's start with your origin story. How did you get started on Twitch and what exactly inspired you to use the platform? So ultimately, I did not want to go on Omegle or some other random <laughs> online chat service to connect with people because I had moved to California, had no family or friends, but I realized how social I was. So Twitch, I'd watched some of my friends on their channel streaming and I had tried it like once before I moved out. I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. I can go and sit up here and just chatting, work on my cosplay and talk to people. And that's literally where it started, on my Samsung S6 Edge phone. It's horrible, horrible quality, but they could hear me, and that's all that mattered. Right. Oh, wow, that's amazing. I love that you fueled your passion into now a business, really, of what you're doing and and speaking at events and traveling and doing all of the good things. You've said that your goal is to show the world computer scientists don't look and act the way most people imagine. Can you expand on what you mean by that statement? When I came up through college trying to get my comp sci degree, it was very apparent that this was not like a major, I won't say meant for me, but it definitely wasn't catered to me. Mm. And you could tell right away that people saw me as other. 
they were like, you're too extroverted, you talk a lot, you, you're too personable to be a computer scientist. I mean, we can talk about the fact that I'm a black woman and my teacher straight up looked at me and said, one day you'll pick a professional hairstyle. Oh, wow. And I was like, oh, okay, so I know not to take your class and I know who to complain to and I know who to, I can wrap you up. Right. But, yeah, like, there's a whole bunch of microaggressions and nuances that come with a woman going into STEM and then a black woman going into STEM. There's just more layers. But I wanted people to come into my channel and understand, no, I'm not about to just sit here and code for y'all all day. We're going to talk, we're going to have conversations and be social, and we can talk about all the technical stuff too. We're going to play games, we're going to cook because we're whole people. I really embody variety because I think people get so stuck on showing, I'm really good at this one thing and everybody needs to see this one thing because I need to climb and grow on this one thing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, we'll just do it naturally. Y'all fall in love with the stuff that I do all the time and it's going to change up and just got to deal with that. I love that. You're a part of the Women's Guild Leaders at Twitch. Explain to us what that group represents and your role in it. Absolutely. Twitch Unity Guilds was Twitch's efforts to, and I'm going to put a little bit of emotional statement on this, Mm -hmm. uh, to make users on Twitch who stream, and now we just opened it to affiliates, feel less alone. So they have resources, they can network and collaborate and build and grow with each other. If you've noticed, Twitch actually pushes so much of their collaborative tools online. So guest star, stream together, stream squads, all that. And being able to help our mods, of course, communicate with each other about, you know, suspicious users and things like that. And we got some really good updates this week. I was very impressed. But that's just another huge step that Twitch has taken with Unity Guilds, where they have the Latin, Black, and Women's Guild for their... I would like to say starter guilds because I just want to see more guilds in the future. I don't think this is the end-all, be-all of what guilds can be, just black, Latin, and women. There's LGBTQI+, all of that. But we're starting with these three demographics. And if you fill out your creator survey, you can apply to join that as well if you are an affiliate and partner on Twitch. And I can speak for my guild, the Twitch Women's Guild. My co-lead is Coco Confessions and... (laughs) We are legion, we are strong, and we go each, each week we are meeting up talking about the next thing that we need to do. So besides us trying to put extra shine on our members, you know, exposing them to brands, people at Twitch, especially Twitch staff and C-suite level, mm-hmm. they got to have dinner with Dan even. That was so wonderful. Nice. And on top of that, just giving them more opportunities and teaching them how to collaborate and grow on their own, making their own opportunities, because that's really where it starts. Right. So we have a path that we followed, and we're trying to just show people that they can do that too and do it and have fun and do it together. Mm -hmm. That's the ishy-squishy part of it. I love how supportive the platform is of all of the streamers. It is really defining what a sense of community is supposed to be and supposed to represent. Absolutely. Uh, you are also a member of Twitch's Women's Alliance. Yes. So what is your role there? So I was a member in the Twitch's Women's Alliance, and that was, I would say, the first iteration of Twitch reaching out to find a way to service a misrepresented demographic on their platform. So I was just a member. And I had the privilege of being able to do some of the meetups during TWA's 
life expectancy. Now, we no longer have TWA. The STREAM team, I believe, still exists. Mm -hmm. But that's, let's consider guilds like the evolution of that. And that's what inspired the other two guilds as well. So TWA was a great starting point. It was a great, like, culture disc. So we could see if this works, if this is something that streamers wanted. It was a partner-only program then. Mm -hmm. So now it's very different because me and Coco are pushing for, well, now we've gotten affiliates should absolutely be in there too because a lot of affiliates achieve what partners are doing now, and they go above and beyond. And some partners choose to stay affiliates, even if they've hit partner level Mm. and got set the requirement. So I wouldn't want to follow that guideline of, yeah, we shouldn't have affiliates in this program because right. that's that's another standard that I don't think we need to uphold. But yeah, that was me. I was I was a member. I was a participant. <laughs> uh, has how has the landscape of Twitch changed since you started streaming on the platform? <laughs> oh baby, it has <laughs> changed. All of these. There was a point where you couldn't even click on someone's emote like you didn't even know who made the emote there was all these there are all these quality of life changes that they made like what was shield mode what was mod view what was any of this stuff what were banned lists what you did not have these tools five years ago when I started and it's only made my experience better like I personally enjoy the granularity of data analytics now that we have like I love it I can go and organize everything by source, browser, whatever device our users are using, and just all of these things that you can mix and use around, it's extremely useful, and it's only getting better. That's awesome to hear. Have you found that Twitch has become more welcoming for women of color to stream, and do you think, uh, or do you think that there's still some more improvements that need to be made? I think it was great when I started watching, seeing some of my favorite black women who were my role models. They got hella shine from Twitch, and I really appreciated that. And I know that, and now that I know what I know about Twitch, because the, I would say the benefit of me being a guild leader while I'm not a Twitch employee. I am not paid. I mean, I'm not employed by Twitch Mm -hmm, to do the job that I do. Mm -hmm. I still get to meet the team. I still get to know what goes on behind the scenes because I'm coordinated with them whenever I have to do some event or I need somebody from staff to help me work on something. Like I need them to come and speak to our guild members. I've seen these teams. They they are doing a lot with the little they have. Like, they really, really do make magic with. And I think Twitch provides the resources that they can, but think about it. It's a global company, and then servicing North America alone is crazy. So is is crazy, let me be real, because <laughs> yeah. I'm so used to, yeah. But I think we hit a point where we were doing amazing, and then it kind of lulled. So I want more shine for all of our creators, of course, but I'm always root for black women in any case. I would love to see black women everywhere. So I've been trying to do what I can. I put them on to all the avenues where I have my fingers in, like Crown, or if I'm working on Creator Camp, or if I know somebody who's running like a D&D show because I'm a nerd, can't help myself. So it's always a work in progress. And the Chelsea before I had started working with Twitch, would have been like, what are they doing? But now, and of course, with the recent layoffs and stuff, I'm like, okay, yeah, y'all, 
you, you're putting a lot on your backs. They're, yeah. they're doing it. Yeah. But with guilds, like, I think that's the point. Like, we're here to guide them to the Be right the answer. Literally that. And we can help shape it. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, it's important that brands support black creators and Maybe. queer creators mm-hmm. all year round, not just Black History Month or Facts. Pride Month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. the that was the first thing that we did. Um because we came, we came through literally right after Black History Month and uh, Women's History Month. We were here in April. We started up in April. And what we've been doing with the Women's Guild is we'll take all of our streamers. We'll say it's time to do a raid, train everybody, hop in. And we'll support our guilds that way with the tools that Twitch has already set out. So we support. We'll do offline raids. We'll go and just drop numbers. We did it during Juneteenth. We did it during Latin History Month. But every event that our members across our sister guilds are doing, we're supporting that. And we're talking about it. We just brought on one of our guild members from the Women's Guild, who does not identify as black. But they were able to come into the guild and share their knowledge on a common problem that all creators face. So there's cross-collaboration. There's cross-support. We are supporting each other throughout the whole year. Just finding the motivation and the drive to keep doing it. Because it's fun. It's always going to be fun because you should be aiming to entertain yourself. You should be laughing when you're making your content because that's really the guiding post you should have. But, baby, when it becomes work, it's always going to be work. (laughs) It's always going to feel like work. So you're going to have to find that grit inside of yourself Mm -hmm. and keep doing it and keep trying to do it bigger and better and being smart and sharing yourself with the world. And you need to share it as much as you can as an end as often as you can. Awesome. Thank you so much. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.